All right, guys, welcome to the Catch Up Food Beast Weekly Food Podcast for discussions. Food news, food news baby. Sorry for throwing you off. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> this week, we're breaking down the Ten Commandments of Restaurant Service. Whoa. Yeah, let's just get right to it. Can you roll it, Bray? You guys, this week, we are joined by Bobby Navarro. <laughs> Bobby been there. Bobby, bo- bougie Bobby? Bougie Bobby or Bobby bout it. <laughs> let's get right to it. Bobby is the head. Wait, of we a- didn't say his last name. Bobby Navarro. <laughs> is, Bobby is Navarro. Bobby Navarro. Bobby Navarro. We, the fake name news. <laughs> we led with all the nicknames. No one knows who he actually is. Once we explain who Bobby is, you're going to realize how perfect he is for this particular podcast episode. He's the head of Food Beast's Experiential Marketing, which in fancy words means he puts on... Food Beast our, events? Our Food Beast <laughs> festivals, our food festivals. Uh, Bobby is a founder of a company called 100 Eats, which I'm going to talk about this real quick, Bobby, and you tell me where I'm wrong or right. (laughs) You do it. Back in 2011, Bobby created this project called 100 Eats where he was going to travel to 100 restaurants in 100 days. Not just any restaurants, though. But like fine dining, Michelin star rated, food boner popping (laughs) restaurants. Um, And you can only imagine that if you experience 100 restaurants in 100 days you got to be the most bougie yelp elitist person possible but bobby isn't that person he still enjoys some good time is that accurate bobby yes 2010 but yes 2010 oh shit okay 2010 you're right you're right you would know better than me wait and so you actually achieved your goal 100 restaurants in 100 days yes 100 restaurants 100 days it not it sounds like easier than it or it sounds easier than it actually was because I was like working two full-time jobs. I don't think so anyone like, thinks it's easy. <laughs> I don't think anyone was thinking Yo, that. Eater wrote it and was like, hey, he did this. And like, he, that's basically eating one restaurant a day. Like we all basically do that. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I don't think that's normal. I don't think you're having tasting menus every single day. <laughs> how did you afford that at, I mean, how old were you? Uh, I was 21, 22, 21-ish. Uh, but I was working two full-time restaurant jobs, so I was just like your money was going straight to that <laughs> seventy-hour work weeks, and then like on my half day, sixth day, and my all-day seventh day, I just eat at like all the restaurants, all fine dining, tasting menus, all I could get my hands on. So what resulted is Bobby's One Hundred Eats uh, kind of transformed into an agency that represents restaurants and in the area, and, and they do a lot of uh, work. And again, that's what kind of segued, and that's how Jeff and I met Bobby. And now we do Ooze Fest, we do Nudes, 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 which I'm gonna segue right into two weeks in a row. We got a sponsorship. <laughs> this is a super homer sponsorship because it's sponsored by Ooze Fest, uh, which is our <laughs> festival. <laughs> but it means, I mean, because we're spon- I means we didn't take money from MeUndies this week. So, uh, but trust me, Ooze Fest is way doper than MeUndies until next week when we run a MeUndies ad. Uh, but for those who don't know, here in Southern California, we throw, now it's third year going, a festival called Ooze Fest. It's going on October 14th. It's an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink food festival, right? It's literally the way Food Beast would throw a festival. That's how it goes. And I'm seriously like monster portions from 25 of Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego's most inventive 
and our favorite restaurants in the area. Who we, we all, got? We do. We, we got, got. We got so we got, much Eli? heat. Who dude, we got? Dude, we have cheeseburger egg rolls. <laughs> what? We have four cheese shrimp dumplings. No way. We got lobster popsicles with queso dip. They're not frozen though, so don't be scared. They're not. Those They're are just slapstick. on sticks. They're just yeah. on sticks. Yeah, cream cheese and bacon stuffed garlic knots. These are all from different vendors. Wake and bake pizza from the homies at Z Pizza. Del, even Del Taco's in the mix. They're bringing queso. Like the, I heard, there's gonna be some sort of queso fountain. Queso blanco fries. <laughs> I'm gonna put queso on everything. Uh, even Kings Hawaiians in the building. They're doing a spam cordon blue. Um, they're also sponsoring a grilled cheese eating challenge on stage. There's just too much stuff for me to go into in this one advertisement, and Food Beast isn't paying <laughs> us enough <laughs> to keep this going. But seriously, guys, it's all you can eat. And for my craft beer friends, there's all you can drink. We got Good Beer Co., Green Cheek Beer Co., which is a new brewery on the block, Smog City Brewing, and Four Sons. They're all actually making custom brews for the fest or custom beers that you can only have on October 14th here in Southern California. And because I feel like the people that are listening to this are kind of the diehard food beasts or people that are super foodie. So we're going to give away a $20 off code. $20? 20, yeah. Bobby, give me the $20. <laughs> um, we're going to give you the code for that somewhere in the middle of the podcast. We don't want to blow our load. Get the nut off too early, so it's gonna it's gonna come somewhere in the middle of the podcast. I guarantee you, this week's gonna be lit. Well, lucky us. So thank you, <laughs> Oozefest, for sponsoring this week's www.oozefestival.com. Saturday, October fourteenth, in Santa Ana, California, Southern California foodies. Yeah, come eat with us. You're welcome. <laughs> come eat with us. Oozefestival.com. Like it on Facebook. Uh, you'll see all the vendors and all the pictures and video of the crazy food. Um, Jeff, let's jump into it this week. You've been reading a book. <laughs> I've been, I've been Great, reading a I book. Read. <laughs> I've been reading a book because uh, I'm the guy at Food Beast who reads books. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> After reading hundreds of emails, I decided to choose to read in leisure time. <laughs> the book is by restaurateur Jen Ag. She's a Toronto and Canadian restaurateur, and. What strikes me about reading Jen Ag's book, which I'm I'm assuming I wasn't familiar before two weeks ago, and I'm assuming I don't know who she is. A lot of our readership, especially because and listenership, which is U.S. based, just may not know much about her. Um, but she has a no fucks given attitude. I had heard her on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. On uh, it was actually with Kyra's Dolls Marketplace and. That attitude of she still believes in service, which I know Bobby is a huge proponent of, but also that no fucks attitude, which I felt helped birth us and what we do. At Food Beast. At Food Beast. So it was uh, that type of mindset just really attracted me to what is this book. And within this book, she gave 10 restaurant service commandments of what do's and don'ts for the people that work at her five different establishments across toronto and montreal yeah so uh, jeff you texted me that <laughs> like at night you're just like jeff just texted me <laughs> these two pages in the book of these 10 commandments i don't know if i, I can't wait to talk about them because i don't know how i feel about all of them same. They're kind of weird. I went through it and I was surprised. I was and like, I, I think it'll be good discussion points. Um, again, for those who don't know Jen Ag, 
she's responsible for introducing Toronto to charcuterie mm. um, with a restaurant called Black Hoof, which is uh, really renowned, but again, has five esta- establishments throughout Canada. Bobby, you're here, so we can what ask questions. What is charcuterie? Yeah, what's charcuterie? Is that meat, <laughs> meat on a plate, right? That, uh, you're asking the wrong person, or at least you guys both look to me. <laughs> I thought you had a definition based on what was here. I just didn't know. It's really important in Canada, but we, someone needs to introduce it here in Orange County, apparently. <laughs> I don't think it was as, it definitely wasn't fine dining before her restaurant, and she introduced it in a contemporary and elevated fashion. Mm-hmm. So she's known for that, and she's also known for her cocktails, Bobby, which Bougie Bobby will be appreciative of <laughs> uh bourdain validated um intros in the book from Damn. from bourdain Whoa. so for all the people who love him yeah, which cool. is sold. pretty much everybody <laughs> everybody sold there did bourdain publish uh, your book i know bourdain public he actually helps publish like writers that no, he likes it's a penguin house published book okay uh, so it wasn't bourdain published uh, but she's also you know wrote in 2015 wrote a, a pretty big op-ed in the new york times that got a lot of play about restaurant sexism and harassment uh so she's just well known in the industry big fan of of equal rights in the workplace um and also came out with this 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 brand new book so so that's why we should somewhat give a shit or more than give a shit about her 10 commandments multiple shits (laughs) well let's uh, so what's number one uh commandment number one is no fine dining style arm stiffly behind back and how it looks out of place and is falsely fancy and just dumb. So we're starting off. You were so offended. <laughs> I've that, seen you do that. So is, that <laughs> is that like the Jack Dawson at the bottom of the steps in Titanic when yes. Rose is coming yes. down and he's like trying to figure out where to put Very his good arm? Very example. Absolutely. Okay. So just so we have a picture. So... Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Immediately, it's awkward. It doesn't mean the food's better. What do no. you feel? There's restaurants that are specifically catering to do that because they're like trying to mimic that kind of style of restaurant. You know, where that's the only kind of fine dining that people understand. So I think there's places like the one, the restaurant in Queen Mary, like mm. super old school, like has that big giant dome, silver dome over your plate, and like yeah. lifts it up, like yeah. <laughs> like a scene out of fucking Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Jeff, have you, I mean, when you served fine dining back in the day, did you ever do that? I mean, yeah, I did that all the time. You were told to put your arm like behind your back? I can't remember if I was specifically told to do it, but I definitely was emulating other servers and bussers. So it wasn't just, I think this is a good idea. I'm going to put my arm behind my back. But it became so ingrained in me that when you're over at my house and I'm clearing your plate to bring it to my sink... I will subconsciously put my left hand behind my back and grab your plate with my right hand. Mm. But that, that again, that was the culture of the restaurant that I worked in, and it just became ingrained. I look at it now, I'm like, mm, I get why it's dumb because it, I was a horrible busser. Yeah. So just because I put my arm behind my back doesn't mean I'm any good at my job. But do you think it's more like an arm logistic thing? Like That's when you when you, when you lean in and you like, where's if your arm going? Yeah, like, where's it going to go? Like here on your left side. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're, you're not bracing the table with the left hand yeah, while you're touching dr- you unless I know you, you know, like I'm not going to like hold a chair or grab your shoulder and pour your water. Like you, it, that's appropriate. I feel like, yeah. and, like just logistically because people don't drop <laughs> plates with two hands. Like, right. Like you don't drop unless it's like no. a sizzling, like even a sizzling platter. It's all one handed. Yeah. So instead of putting your hand in your pocket, which insinuates a lazy bum, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you, you put it, you put it behind your back. 
So or or just drop it to your. I think her point is just drop it to your side. Okay. Right. Oh, so that's what she did. You're right. You're right. She, so she said. Does she say drop? She doesn't it to your say side? that. But I'm just. Oh, saying, you're just saying like, it. Okay. Because well, it's it's purposeful. When you put it behind your back, it's not intention. natural. So she, it's an intention, mm. and it doesn't mean anything. And that's for sure correct. <laughs> you're not doing anything. You're not getting it out of the way. You are looking fancy because someone decided that was fancy in the 1800s. That this is what people do, and it's just carried on. Okay, if it's the bu- if it's the guy at the front that meets you at the restaurant, guy or gal at the front, and they have the arm behind their back and they're just standing straight up, that's weird. But if they're dropping food on the table, I gotta disagree with her. I gotta say, I don't think it's that weird. Is your arm gonna stay straight down by your side while you bend over and put something on the table for the guests? That's more weird than just putting it behind your back, making sure there's no collateral damage to your hand. Thank you. Can we do an Insta Stories poll to just see which one? <laughs> I think this is great. <laughs> is that a new feature, by the way? Yeah, yes. Instagram has new stories, yo. Like with yeah, the we can do feature. a poll. We can do a poll. <laughs> yeah. Behind the back or not behind the back? I don't know. Where I fall, I think it's not that weird. I, I can't agree with her on this point. Uh, I will say, too, in like the more casual fine dining aspect, like... Uh, it becomes really easy to look like you're slouching in corners if you don't stand with intention. And sometimes things like that help force you to like move your body in a way that looks intentful. Because mm-hmm. if, if my hands are up by my side, sometimes it encourages my slouching. And then you're looking at people that are paying $75, $100 a head. You're like... You don't want to be served by slouches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got it. That like, uh, I, my water's out and you're sitting over there looking like a bum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess it really depends on the place, and it depends on the person, too. Yeah. Like, you, you could look like a goofy person with your hand behind your back. You could also look really suave and swagadocious <laughs> when you drop the sizzling fajitas with one hand. They should all take <laughs> lessons from Jeff. <laughs> you just said sizzling fajitas? You just like talking about the server at Chili's with the arm behind his back, <laughs> bro. Everyone at that El Torito plate, that guy's slick. They see across, you see across the way when it's coming. That's a sizzling fajita life. Here's what I will say: fine dining is becoming more casual. Oh yeah. So this that rule makes sense to me because people are still paying seventy five or hundred dollars for a plate in way more casual settings. So. I mean, on, on certain situations, be more casual because it, it'll feel out of place. Because if you're in the place that's still, again, $7,500 per head, but it's not white tablecloth and it's dark woods and whatever, then, you know, it makes sense for the waiters and waitresses to also necess- not necessarily be as uptight and stiff mm. as fine dining was in the 80s or even the 90s. What was the what was the culture and reasoning even back then about this about fine dining and like kind of the buttoned up like is it supposed to be that the environment that you eat in is so st- sterile that the food becomes more of a focus or I never really understood where that even came from like the idea of white tablecloth I felt like uh, based on my under- loose understanding it's that the technique and kind of like the the movement was a lot 
uh, parallel to something like a dance or like artistic in that way. Mm. So you're thinking about like a round table full of nine of my guests and then you have nine servers. Each one stands behind each one of the guests and then serves from the right side each one of the guests simultaneously and then they all put their hands on top of the dome-shaped silver thing on top of the plate, look at each other and then lift it all at the same time. <laughs> Yo, remember when we were at, <laughs> at Club 33 at Disneyland which is like yes. their <laughs> secret fine dining uh, establishment like dream come true to go there. So <laughs> we're there. All three of us were there, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're Perfect. all there. Yeah, for Bobby's birthday. And I remember they're dr- it's a uh, fixed menu. So they, they're dropping stuff. And they're bringing it to the table. And I remember the one of the first waiters that brought some to the table, the spoon dropped out of his hand. Yeah. And like... It was a knife it. on his tray. And wasn't it you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, something very... Like, if it happens at a Chili's, like, whatever. Do you pick it up for them and give it back? But I, I looked at Bobby, because Bo- this, like, night has to be perfect for Bobby. And I'm Bobby's eyes <laughs> roll so far back into his head that he could see his own asshole. Like, it's crazy. And then just watching... Because Bobby had talked about this dance that happens at fine dining. So, when you're paying... It's an expensive dinner. Yeah, so, ain't cheap. So when a twenty dollars when a spoon or a knife falls, something as small as that really throws the dance out. It's like watching ballet and watch the homegirl up on stage falls. Totally, like it's and and it's awkward <laughs> when it really like in, at the end of the day, like it's not like they put the spoon back on the table; they put a new one. Totally, but. But again, you're paying for the dance also, I guess. So that's, okay, that's fascinating. But then we had missing cheeses in our cheese plate. Oh, yeah, that was the beginning. The yeah, tea yeah. box had missing teas. Like. Which is stuff that I wouldn't notice at all. But Bobby, like, had already studied this menu so hard. Which I think is interesting because that's, in some way, a microcosm of what's happening to the industry as a whole. Mm. Is there's these fine dining restaurants that are latched on to the version of themselves that launched in the 90s or whatever, mm. the 80s, mm-hmm. and they still do the same style, mm. but then convi- having the same uh, employees or people that care the same amount, I think is harder to do. Yeah. And so you're, you're, your waiter now in 2017 care, cares 40% as much as the waiter you had in 1984 doing the same thing where he would have never, ever dropped a spoon in that fashion, no matter what, or he would have felt guilty about it for months. Yeah. But now, the 23-year-old ser- server busser at Club 33, which in all, for, in all respects was a pretty atrocious meal for what we paid for for that evening. Yeah, I didn't think the food was that tight. It wasn't that great. And so it's like, we they had to... The dates had to, to be good. They're trying your, to... Your costumes yeah. could be whack a little bit. Like a little dated on the costumes, but your, your choreo has yeah. to be spectacular. On point. I hear that. But there's something charming still. And uh, coming from me, I don't eat a lot of fine dining, very rarely at all. And, but something charming about seeing a guy with his hand behind his back... And then when they noticed that like the spoon had fall, they're like Garcon would come and like come and apologize. And then brought out this like bottle of wine that's been in Walt's collection since like the thirties. And like there it literally brought out a bottle of wine that has been open. Yeah. And it there was only like the bottom third of it left and gave us all a sip of it. And it was ah, there's something charming about that. So where you can keep this culture of fine dining like i don't want it to get lost because when i do want to go back to that like weird reality i want to go back there so it for me this is a toss-up still like 
if if having a stiff arm behind the back kind of keeps that culture of fine dining in certain places, do it. I'd rather people not get lazy and kind of speak to what you're saying, Bobby, of like keep your keep your posture up, keep like get get that acclimation there. So And part of it to me was the fake it till you make it prospect of when I put my arm behind my back and when I stand a certain way that I it helped me feel that I was in the moment being the Jack the, Dawson effect. Yeah. The Jack <laughs> Dawson yeah. effect. Right? And so and, and in every other aspect is your hair quaffed, is mm. is your uniform perfect, right? And again, not to say that uniform and arm behind your back is the same, but all of that affected my mental mindset, which is why I'm pretty sure it became part of my subconscious and why I just do it is because when I'm clearing your plate at my house, I want to show you that I'm your friend and I want to take it back. And it's almost not that I need to respect you by putting my arm behind my back, but it's in that intention, right? Of let me take this for you. And this is how I would professionally take it for someone back in the day. So I'm going to do that now because I care for you. Yeah. I know I like the respect part, and but I still go back to just logistically when you're reaching through two people that are sitting on a table between their shoulders, yeah. like you put you you only have room for your one arm. Right. So like you're gonna let the other one flop, potentially hit them on the back, potentially like rub the little things like that, yeah. throw off the dance. That's why your hand is behind it. So that's why I can't get behind unless <laughs> I haven't been to Jen's restaurant that wrote this list, but unless they're all sitting like at bar stools, like separated three to a huge table, like put the arm behind your back. I don't, I, don't, I can't agree with her on this one. So there's another this, one later I can agree with too. That yeah. has to do with the and similar I have, like, I'm logistical wearing, errors. I'm wearing ripped jeans. I got a scraggly beard. Like I'm not the fancy guy, but put your arm behind your back. What do you I mean? Look at that agree. haircut. I don't agree. Let's go to number two. Cause I, I actually don't understand this one. So this can you one. read this one, Jeff? I don't Number two, no lifting water glasses to pour water. Figure out how to pour while leaving glasses on the bar or table. So what's the reasoning behind this? Like the, all the fear of potentially spilling or germs? Like I don't have stuff? an immediate justification. But to me, it, once you touch a glass, it becomes more casual than not touching a glass. Mm. I don't have justification for that. But in my head, it makes sense. We at the restaurant did as much as we can to not touch glasses. Again, I don't know if that was that restaurant in particular or what, but this, it just made sense to me. When I think of someone grabbing my water glass, I think of Applebee's or Olive Garden and them reaching across the table and pouring a pitcher through the side into mm. your water glass. But that's what I think of. And so, the, I, you know, Bobby, I'm curious on your take for, for that rule. Uh, I feel like uh, certain restaurants uh, have, fine dining restaurants, have been designed to, like, help support that effort. Like, a lot of uh, newer fast casual tends to, like, cram people in together, right? Mm -hmm. So then you have that problem of, like, my fat ass can't reach through <laughs> this, like, wall of humans to get to your stuff <laughs> to be able to pour that. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to fail, make you feel most comfortable, right? However I can get the most glasses out of here without obstructing your view or feeling like my armpit's on your ear. Like, I'm yeah. going to do the best I can to do that. In a fine dining setting like Charlie Palmer, like, there was a good arm's length before you were into somebody else's stuff so mm -hmm. if i put the picture in the center of the table i'm not like ruining anybody's like experience or taking away from any of that the other thing too is some 
new fine dining restaurants too. It's, Aviary is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. They they serve water glasses on coasters, and the, the way the coasters and the table are designed is that it's it's uh, slick enough to move across the table without touching the glass, Ooh. but it's also uh, sturdy enough so that it doesn't slide or slip and slide. Mm. So what they do is they set all the glasses for all the people and their water at the edge of the table, pour all the water glasses on one edge of the table as part of their service standard, and then they move the glass to each individual at the table. And then when you're out of water, is the person essentially moving the glass back outward? No, they go, then they go behind because there's enough room in between each person to then go uh, around and then pour that for each individual person around. So there's a lot of assumptions on this list. Like you assume a style of restaurant, you assume a spacing on the table between guests. So I get the point of not touching the glass now for a myriad of reasons. One, germaphobes. The idea of it's super fancy. Once you touch something, you assume it's done off the table. So you're either taking it away, bringing a new glass. Um, but you assume that you're sitting at a table where there's room to come pour the water. Because I would rather you just take the glass off to the side behind me, fill it, as opposed to like reaching over me and pouring water and all that jazz. So uh, do I agree with this one? No lifting water glass to pour water? It, this is circumstantial. Yeah, and logistically... I was always a fan, and we so at the restaurant I worked at, we weren't encouraged to grab the water glass and refill it. So I always wish that was an option because <laughs> it makes things easier, and I have nightmares about water because I spilled once, and it was... It's. I still wake up with. Uh, you. You've talked about this too, Bobby. Where you, how you remember <laughs> butter to table. Table twenty seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! They need a coffee. But that I was had, ten years I ago. Ice, you know. I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. But I had an ice cube on a tray under a glass, and I, unbeknownst Whoa. to me, and so when I carried mm. it out, it tipped over, and it tipped on a blue-haired, rich, regular patron of the restaurant and i just can remember that moment for life and so anytime that i in water refilling scenarios i was always well i guess i'll squirm in here and do it and then i'd flashbacks and all, <laughs> all sorts of stuff but i get why especially in a restaurant where you're paying a premium don't touch the glass unless you absolutely have to mm -hmm. if it's out of range for me that that fear seems like it would Pouring wine sounds more terrifying than water, but I guess is it not? Because I feel like I'm more comfortable because of the how wine actually pours out of itself. Like pitchers are gaping, and there you have to like really like <laughs> strategize, and like we used to have these awkward like really. Uh, uh, iced tea pitchers at Olive Garden that would be really bulbous on the bottom and then the lip would curve around in a way that you had like really have to figure it out and then by the time you did you're like over pouring all over the table <laughs> like, like, that wasn't meant that way <laughs> and there's I guess there's more of it like there's more liquid per volume in, in these pitchers than totally. there is in, in wine okay I mean so don't touch don't touch the glass water glass any sort of glass on the table that someone is going to drink out of so what do you do on wine? Obviously, you, you, you have to set it. So we went to this uh, restaurant called, this new restaurant in Vegas called Primrose, and it's, uh, they're converting the Monte Carlo into the park, MGM. And so they, everything they poured, orange juice, we had wine, everything they poured, they put um, their like napkin, their cloth napkin in front of the pour 
any pour they made. So they would they would uh, set it outside the glass and then pour toward the napkin so that it couldn't no splash no over. splash and they were really conscious about like how much they did and they were really looking at it pretty intently but i thought that was a smart move that was the first time i've ever seen that's that. a good move what's crazy to me about wine is when you open the bottle at the table and i just i don't drink enough wine and i don't open enough bottles <laughs> but that always to me was just t- terrifying to think about the I don't know. Oh, breaking the cork. It's yeah, all scary. Yeah, like, I, like, I guess still I, to this day, yeah, I can't get it right. Obviously, we're in a different category because we we don't open enough wine where we're still worried about breaking the cork. And I know that's not a normal server thing. I mean, but, I drink my wine, two buck chuck, from the, <laughs> from the novel. <laughs> I'm thinking of a $300, $400 wine, right? Yeah, that yeah. it's now, and you're in front of a big group of people yeah. and you're cutting the label right with it it's a sharp object you're holding the bottle of wine in your hands you are keying it in your hands you are corking it the whole it's it's supposed to be presentation which is why i think uh, one of the reasons why servers make the money that they do is because no one really understands the that sort of pressure until you're in the moment eight people who are paying two hundred dollars a head are staring at you you. (laughs) and they're just watching you and the conversation even stops and it will continue to stop until you uncork it and start pouring wine and everyone has wine so there's this three to four minute potential where the spotlight is on you and as a buster i'd always just be like my man's doing it right now. <laughs> oh, he's got it. He's got it. Go, go, go. You got to be of a certain uh, skill set to be able to pop open a like bottle of wine at a certain price point, right? Like, because what happens? You don't have to be. Uh, Charlie Palmer had a pretty extensive wine list. We had three huge wine towers, each one holding like 700 different bottles of wine. And so we had bottles that were, you know, $3,000, $4,000. So one time wineauction.com bought out Charlie Palmer and they just ran for eight hours, ran their international wine auction. And we served super exclusive bottles of wine there. And I remember holding, holding, my bo- uh, holding a bottle and it was my first service after I just passed my sommelier test, my wine sommelier test. And I'm opening this bottle. I'm watching as I'm turning the corkscrew that the cork is crumbling as it's coming out of the thing. And I'm like, I'm just hoping the bottom's intact. If the bottom's intact, it's You're fine. Good, it's yeah. fine. So I'm like getting all the way to the end. And then the, the bottom came out fine. But it's just like you're praying the whole time that you don't fuck Dude, I don't up. like being at dinner parties. We're like, yo, Eli, can you uh, yo, go ahead and cork that wine, bro? And I'm like, uh, please be a twist off. Because <laughs> it never works. And I we have like an amazing hack video where it's like 10 ways to open a bottle of wine when you don't have a corkscrew. So I can open it with the fucking shoe but I can't <laughs> open it with a corkscrew oh. I can open it with the shoe but one out of every two bottles break wide open <laughs> okay so number three on this list is two words no perfume with it I'm completely with it I don't want to smell anything but the food traveling across the room the food that hits my table my cocktail and maybe my date. And that's all I want to smell. That's mm. all I want to smell. And even even perfume from a date can still affect mm. your taste. Mm. So even then, I mean, it's not like I'm going to be like, hey, don't wear perfume to this <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Y'all just run that. Okay. But I'll, I def- I'll tell her. I definitely, <laughs> I, I, I definitely don't want Gary, my server, to be wearing cologne and, me, and it affecting me. Yeah, bro, that Axe body spray could throw the whole thing off. <laughs> I don't know, but there's something about a, like a clean smell. Like I like having like 
freshness in the air as opposed to like maybe not a like, particular like, scent so like one puff like yeah because even all of our uh at, at marche or charlie one of them we Bougie. like all the flowers would smell they would be like not super potent but just enough to make the room smell clean like you're mm. walking into a clean room yeah um that was nice you know and a nice touch and a lot of the hotels in like vegas pump pump smells into the hotel so that when you go in your 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 uh olfactory senses your your smell recognizes that particular location and associates that smell with this experience so i love the smells that they pump in in, in hotels like that does that throw off the food in the hotels like at one point i don't think so see and that's when like I, when i read that too that's when i was like i go to vegas a lot <laughs> i was like and i smell a lot of shit and i I feel like, like, right, like Cromwell is probably one of the most potent smelling hotels of any of them on this trip. Giada's there, and you don't, you don't smell that, or that doesn't affect my experience there, and you can't really smell it in the restaurant. But like Cromwell in general just has its, or that bar, that bar in Cromwell's lobby is mm-hmm. like, you know, there's great, that's an awesome bar, great experience, and I still don't, I can still separate those two things. So I think it would have to be a really like potent server, like smelling like, yeah, Axe Body Spray from high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I guess the moral on on number three, no perfume, is where the unscented speed stick. <laughs> unscented speed stick. And well, good. Bobby, do you think if, you know, if I'm a server and I did a couple puffs of cologne underneath my shirt and then, you know, clothed, would you be okay with that as a, as a patron? Yeah. You're like, you're with it? Can I tell you something I hate? cigarettes i hate the smell of cigarettes and i hate when people put cologne on to cover the smell of the cigarettes i hate that because i i could first smell the smoke and then i can smell that you like try to cover the mistake and then i'm like ugh, that's gross (laughs) which i feel is in every stereotypical restaurant scene yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. you're just chain smoking out would you you say of your experience in the industry that there's as many smokers as it's uh, non-smokers no there's definitely like a less smokers than drinkers, well, in the though. fine dining but drinkers everybody's yeah, a drinker. everyone's a heavy drinker. that's where i got it from <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can we say that no perfume is more it's not strictly relegated to perfume more just anything that kind of throws off your nasal scent yeah, so just, be clean too. Yeah, be clean. Be no clean. bo, be like bo's tough. <laughs> I think bo's that's BO's standard tough. everywhere. Like, <laughs> please if, be the standard. If you have if you have access to a shower, please use it. Yeah, today's um, shower day. <laughs> I like this. Li- I like this line. Was she her number four commandment? What is it? No saying no problem, because why would anything be a problem? Just say you're welcome, absolutely, or anything but no problem. So that's if I'm at a table and I ask you for water, and they say no, no problem. problem. Yeah, I like I like I like I like her bringing this up as a commandment. But I feel like that's like a pet peeve thing, right? Like there's certain things like I don't like when people tell me like sure. What does that mean? Yeah, tell me yes or no or yeah. like I'm excited or I'm not excited, but sure don't say like different. sure. You yeah. know, like it's, a, it's that's the same thing that like somebody walks in they're like, "Oh, can I sit at your bar?" You're like, "Sure." Like, "No, shut up. Yes or no." So I'm like, Fucking answer is it a yes or no? So I, I understand her point, but I, I would venture to say that it's like similar facets of that example live in like just people's daily lives. Mm. One, I think if you say that 
regularly already, it's going to be a huge habit to break because I don't think anyone thinks about saying no problem. They just react to it and say it. Yeah. It can be trained out and she talks about it in the book a bit that she had people over time get rid of that vernacular. Um, I like it because it's eliminating the negativity Mm -hmm. and uplifting the positivity. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Even if it's just a slight tweak from no problem, I think over time, just more positivity is always better for the experience. So I'm a huge fan of that rule because I would always want to lean towards positivity versus negativity. Yeah, I don't think it's a detriment. Again, I agree that when you say no problem, when I say no problem, I hope that my tone is uh obvious enough that you know like yes that means like oh of course i got you no problem but there's definitely a way to say it of like no problem but like, that's, as that's if like a life a, rule not a restaurant rule <laughs> sure. 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 let's just make that a commandment commandment <laughs> so, so do you guys have issues with the waiter saying no prob <laughs> yeah no Z? get out <laughs> no prob <laughs> Uh, where, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's just good training to kind of just bring it up. Like if, if her, Jen, as a, as a restaurant owner, doesn't like it, I don't think she's firing people. Again, I haven't read the book. Is she firing people for saying no problem? She's just like, no. hopefully over time, they phase it out. If she's strongly encouraging to the point where if it maintains to be a problem from what she ascertained in her book, then it may be a problem. Mm. But I think for most people who want to keep their job and impress the, their owner, they'll figure it out. It's not that big of a, it's not that big, big of a part of your subconscious where you can't phase it out over yeah. time. Yeah, you yeah. might slip up once or twice and hopefully it's not in front of her. Right. But she talks about her death. So the, the book title. Uh, yeah, yeah, what is the book title? The book title. It was had a really aggressive title from what I remember. I want to get it right. I hear she's a real bitch comes from, <laughs> comes from, That's I mean, strong. so she talked about how she, her death stare when someone says no problem and she hears it and is next to you or can hear it from across the room, she lets you know when she has a problem. So she's very direct, mm. similar to me. I'm very direct as well. And so that can come off as standoffish. It can come off as... Her word for her book was bitch, but yeah, so I think there's uh, there's a good feminist undertone just to that title. It's not even an undertone. It's like the idea of uh, females can't stand when they try to stand up for themselves or just are direct they get relegated to being a quote-unquote bitch, which is why I love the title of her book and I haven't even read it yet. Um, That like, she just has really strong stances and she's more than allowed to have these because of the time she's put in in this industry. And I just think that's such a strong title. That's just like, go ahead, call me a bitch. Like, I don't care. But you're bringing up like the lack of masculinity you have because you have to call her a bitch. Because all she's doing is being straightforward with you. So I think that's fascinating. That's a great title. I venture to say that her attitude or reaction to when somebody says no problem encourages or pushes that negative perception within her restaurant or even of her. Just adversely, like Montage, 
they make you say absolutely. And so everybody on the phone and when you walk in and the host and the server, everybody says absolutely. And they, 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 they make it part of that culture, a staff culture, that that's their word. And it's like the power of absolutely. And so it becomes a, becomes a feeling of like, like nobody stares at you when you say a different word, but they all are encouraging you to push absolutely as part of their vernacular. Mm. Mm. But at the same time, I think I think this is in the same vein. Yeah. Whether she communicates that I don't, and I don't know the specifics of how she communicates because I've never been on her floor, and I'm forty pages into her book. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not the authority on Gen Ag at all. It's the depth of our I, research. I, I, we have a whole podcast I, on a book that we've all, collectively three of us we've only read forty pages of. Can we call her, please? I mean, <laughs> Welcome to Food to, Beast. <laughs> to be fair, the book just came out. <laughs> so we're working on it. <laughs> uh, okay, let's... Uh, number five. Ah, fuck this one. <laughs> no saying you guys still working on that. This should be so obvious, but I still hear servers say it. Food isn't work. Rule number five. Oh, like server saying that to the kitchen. Server saying that no, no, to, to the, guest. the guest. You still working on that? And I think oh, the key, like the key, is the word work. Are you working on that? Food isn't work. She doesn't like. This is again another vernacular choice. Back to the absolutely. Don't call something work when it's an enjoyable experience, or should at the very least should be its default setting is an enjoyable experience. I don't know if she meant it to go this deep, but for how I took work was, there's the face value of this isn't a job, this is, you should be enjoying yourself. But then there's the, what happens when a server goes to your table and asks you if you're still working, are you still eating, can I take this, and there's food still on your plate. It's almost this uh, whole idea of like speeding your speeding your dining me. experience <laughs> up, being pushy. I took it as that and I hate that. I think we have such a problem in our culture here in America where they're speeding you through these things. And at least the restaurants I go to, like I would like when I decide to go out, when I decide to spend my money and go out instead of cooking at home, I want to go out and I want to sit. I want to enjoy. I want to be with the people I'm with. Literally, we were at this restaurant last night, Jeff and I, uh, and our friend from high school and Rudy from Food Beast and really dope Chinese restaurant. And we're there eating. We get some tea and then they kind of like drop. They drop the bill like an, an hour which, into our which, thing. Which is a normal fine. thing. They drop, they drop the bill, which is fine. But like I just started getting this sense like we're no longer supposed to be here. Like the room is cleared out. The restaurant wasn't closed. There's people on the other side of the restaurant, but they keep coming and like hovering in a way that's not making me feel comfortable. It's just kind of, I'm overstaying my welcome here. And instead of just like, just keep filling the thing with tea until I tell you to stop. Like, sounds like a dick thing, but like, just, just do it. That's what I would do as a server is I would uh, fill your thing with tea. I would keep your water coming and I'll tell you when to stop. Instead of instead of just like, are you guys done? Are you good? They didn't say that at this restaurant, but they started turning the lights off in our area, cleaning the tables around it that were already clean. You know, there's <laughs> there's things there. I, I go on and on with these stories because I'm begging, I'm trying to find a restaurant where they're cool with me, just chilling. Like, 
I'll pay you. I, I don't care. I'll put my card down when I enter the restaurant if you want. Like, I, I just, I'm curious, is there a fix? Is there, or am I missing these restaurants where they like encourage this culture of session eating? Like, can well, I be there that, for a while? And that's part of the casual culture totally, of dining. Totally. In so, our, and, and you can, Bobby will speak to this extensively, but if you're eating at a fine dining restaurant, like when Bobby and I are at Guy Savoie at Caesar's Palace, and they let so us lay. <laughs> Bring another soup. <laughs> we we probably spent a minimum of three and a half hours there, and that's what's almost expected, mm. right? And so this now that fine dining is taking a hit, there's less fine dining establishments, and there's more casual. It's all about table turns. Yeah, it's all about that was like number one in our like man like steps of service at Olive Garden was like. Boom, 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 last thing, like two minute check back, check down. Ooh. So you you drop your item, you check to make sure that their item is hot and that they're enjoying it, and then you drop the check. And let them wow. pay it at their leisure. But that's part of the that's part of the service standard. Because the expectation normally is that they're trying to leave. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And so you don't want to not be there. But there should be past that, like, okay, well, how do you maintain the table while they're still deciding if they're going to pay or leave or whatever? Yeah. Because you don't know that intention. But and don't get me wrong. I don't feel like I'm a slug at every restaurant. Sometimes I got to get out of there and I want to get out of there. And I appreciate when the check drops or whatever. But I think there's we, – we have lost that when we push – there's such a, a a disparity between casual dining and fine dining and kind of lost stuff in the middle and we're potentially losing a lot of the fine dining side that we're not training our servers and bussers in a way that can encourage even at these like casual dining experiences with amazing food you're not encouraging people to sit because there is this table turn that you're talking about of like well, if I'm a server at the end of my shift, like I need to drop this check. I need you to pay me so I can leave. I'm not going to say it dead ass, like right out, but I need you to know I need to leave. That's an experience I wanted to talk to you about, Jeff, because like I was at one of my favorite restaurants in LA. There's an arcade there. They serve beer, amazing food. I'm not going to name it because I don't, this, I think this is a one-off thing, uh, but I'm sitting there with my friends. We get, we get our food. And the server reaches the end of his shift. As from what I'm understanding, the restaurant's gonna be open for a couple more hours. We're kind of in the middle of our meal. Like we're, we're getting towards one end, we're on our second and third beers, and we have a really awesome booth. We can see all the beautiful people in there. We can see out into the street. And he like drops the check and says that I'm like leaving. He doesn't introduce us to who will potentially be a new person who's going to continue to get us drinks and beer or whatever so we're like dude we don't even know if we're done with food yet like so we just leave we leave the check bill thing the folder sitting on the table and we continue to eat he comes by probably three times within i would i would guess a 10 minute period just hovering around us until I notice on the second and third time that he is, and then I'm like, man, what do you like? What do you need? He was like, um, well, I'm leaving soon, so okay. Like, I put my card down, I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. And so, but I, I'm trying to understand it from his point. He's trying to just clock out and go. Yeah. So, is there anything that, like, as a customer, I could do better? Probably just pay the bill as soon as it lands, I guess. I don't think that's your responsibility. I think if I'm the person, the server that has to leave, 
I have a concert that I go to. I paid a bunch of money for tickets and I just happen to be kind of stuck in my shift. Mm. I find someone who will take my tip mm-hmm. and will take that table even though I serve that entire bill. Mm-hmm. And I will forfeit that tip so that you can get the service that you need and you don't get burned by the restaurant. And that's mm. how that should have been. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, because because th- that doesn't happen often. But now that I'm, I'm seeing that, like, as I left, I tried to, like, see it from his side. I was like, man, I, was kind of, I guess I was kind of an asshole, like, just letting the check sit. But, like, I wasn't done with my food. I, like, wanted more beer. I wanted more stuff. And I didn't want to give up my table. Like, this is, again, a bar with arcade, and we have a really great booth. And they're bringing food to the table. They do tableside service, so we weren't kind – of, it wasn't out of the ordinary. And so I was just kind of thrown off. I was like, I also, like, don't want to come back because I don't know if that's just how everything is here. Again, I go to this restaurant a lot, so I know that's not the norm. That's why I'm not even going to shout it out. Yeah, and I guess it depends on where you are in your meal, right? Because I've gone to lunch, right? And then you have, like – three martinis and then you're like uh, I might go for a fourth one but then it's like almost three o'clock or four o'clock when that bartender or whatever's leaving mm. like then I drop my tab and I close out with that day bartender because then the night one's probably coming in and yeah. start a new tab or whatever but if you're in the middle of your meal and you plan on still ordering a bunch and whatever you're just like transfer the bill like go ahead yeah. and head out the like, most baller move I've seen is that where they come to the table and they, they come with a solution for you like hey I recognize solutions. your your <laughs> mid wing here like and but my boy Johnny at the he's gonna he's gonna take over and he got he got you taken care of whatever you need he's, he's there the smooth transition there that should happen anywhere like yeah. at all of garden it should be happening and it and, does and it i guess it does it just didn't happen here and this place i feel is even more elevated than uh than an olive garden so i was just like man, like i'm thinking too much during my dinner where i just want to be eating like <laughs> yeah. now i don't want to be thinking like this is so trivial so i mean to, to me there's nothing like and our dinner actually last night was similar to this where you might have a dinner that's an hour when we were catching up with an old friend and conversation might go quickly food might go quickly someone might need to go and it's over and it's fine but there are very special nights when people don't necessarily have to get to their next function you hit strides in conversation you know conversations bouncing back through all parties everyone's engaged we were we were the loudest table in that room we were having the most fun in that room and we closed that restaurant down and that's my favorite type of meal Mm. and they were still open they were still operating and yes were we the only table in that section for at least 45 minutes absolutely yeah the whoever our waiter was that was his last table for the night but that's the beauty of eating out yeah that's the that's the reason why i'm there is so that i'm not worried about the food and the preparation and the service so I can be focused on the people that I'm with. And so when they started turning lights off, I'm just, you're going to close out. I'm glad, I'm glad I gave the tip already. Cause kind of fuck you because I, you're open and I deserve to be here and you're working your shift. Deal with it. And I had to deal with it as a busser when, and I had to deal with it even worse than a server because I have to clean the table. So if, in fine dining, if they closed out, like in this one experience I had, we had a, we had a couple who came in at 9.55. Our dining room closes at 10. They got sat at 
They ordered at 10.15, even though the kitchen was supposed to be closed, but once you sit them down, there's an expectation, which means cooking staff has to stay. They're staying for a two-top outside on the patio, <laughs> right? The waiter, take, they do appetizers. They do wine. They do multi, They do three or four they're entrees. Going in, yeah. They're going in, and they're spending a lot of money, which is good for the business. But even after all that, after they do desserts, and they do after dinner cocktails. They close out with the waiter, but I can't go home as the busser, even though they're clean. closed out until they're done conversing ah. and decide to leave. And so that for me is a 5 p.m. to whatever, 1.30 a.m. shift, however long they stay. Management is basically gone. You know, there's again, there's probably a, there was probably a bar manager still there. But I'm just waiting for these people to leave. And so I don't, I was, you just put up with it. And that's one case. And I'm not mad at it. Did I have plans that night? Probably. But that doesn't happen every night. So when you happen to have customers who are really enjoying themselves, let, they're going to be fans of your restaurant, even if your food was mediocre because they had a great time. So serve them. I'm curious, though, from re just a regular restaurant goer, I always feel awkward going in if the restaurant closes at 10, you head in at 9.55. What's the protocol? Like, shouldn't the doors just be closed? Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Starbucks had a five minute before and five minute after policy. So if you came in the doors five minutes before opening or five minutes after closing time, you serve that customer. And I loved that. And because in restaurants, they're not like that. They're like, oh, our kitchen closed early. Like, they don't post times, like kitchen closing times. They'll just say, like, oh, well, our bar's still open until 11, but like, we stopped serving food at nine. Mm -hmm. But that's not, that time's not posted anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They stop serving food when service, when people stop coming in, you know? So there's, there's, there's now ways restaurants are trying to get around all that. But um, I like the Starbucks policy. Yeah, but it, it just it's not, it's not apples to apples. It's not realistic when you're I mean, you're making coffee, not to make it any not to trivialize the coffee, but you can do it in a couple minutes while the like cooking if you, a whole if you're meal. firing food. Yeah. Yeah. You're keeping And many that's why people. like limited menu and stuff like that that people started to create to kind of subsidize all that, I think that's still all smart. I think to say like, oh, you know, our our bar's open till midnight but we close at ten, I think that's dumb. You should still have something to be able to serve all night long. So overall this her commandment of number five no saying quote-unquote you guys still working on that this should be so obvious but i still hear servers say it food isn't work i gotta agree with her overall i, I agree with her on this one because don't rush the patron like all of it i think it just you extrapolate that you guys still working on that means so much more than just what she quoted sure um, and that's a really interesting take because i'm 99 percent sure she just means the vernacular of working which I'm, I agree in both contexts, which <laughs> don't force the table to, in an unnatural way to get out mm. because what's, that's probably one of the worst things you could do to and a never customer. Come back. And they'll never come back, but also don't phrase it as work. And, I, and that goes back to the absolutely thing, which yeah. use positive vocabulary and overall, it's the glue to the experience. It, it won't... If someone said no problem to me next week, I don't think I would even register it. But but if somebody said absolutely to you 17 times from the entrance of the hotel all the way to the to the You would intrinsically be like, you, amazing service here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you it's would. true. It's yeah. true. Yeah, I like it. Number six is good. 
Number six. Number six is good. Always be positive about bar stools. Because bar stools are positive. <laughs> Her quote exactly. Always be positive about bar stools. Like, don't say in an apologetic way, sorry, no tables, but I can put you at the bar. Like it's somehow worse. It isn't. Make it sound like a win, quote unquote. Lucky you. I have these lovely bar stools available. I couldn't agree with her more. I, I love, love me a bar stool. <laughs> I, love, I love this woman. <laughs> I slow, I'm, I'm coming to you. You were against rule one, but came yeah. in real. Yeah. I, I love you, and we could disagree on some things, baby. But number one. Baby. I got um, you. <laughs> num- yeah, num- number one, I still don't agree. But number six, I couldn't agree more. I. I love sitting at bars. I have some of my best experiences dining-wise when, I mean, I was at Hop Dottie in Austin, Texas, and I heard so much about their burgers at the time. I think there were one or two locations in, and the line is out the door. So I just hop in line. I was like, I have nothing better to do. I'm here by myself. And a waiter comes out and was like, you have a spot at the bar if you want to sit right now. Just one. You're by yourself, loser. And <laughs> do you need a magazine or something? Because you're going to be Are you alone? Are you sure there's no more? And I was like, yes, thank you. I don't want to sit at a booth by myself. So I sit up at the bar. I get my food so fast. I get to talk to the bartender. I try all the great cocktails they have. I was like, I would have never had this experience if they were like, I could squeeze you in at the bar, but like, sorry, it's sweaty and stuff up there. <laughs> and like some people fall off because it's really high. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, I love, I love this number six commandment. She has so much because don't make it sound awful. What better than to be with people too? And there, there's, you could be with people at the bar, but you can also still have an individualized session if you don't want to people can read body language like you can just have a one-on-one with yourself at a bar if that's what you want you can also like also make friends with the right and left of you yeah so and the bartender like what great what great conversation can you have than like the most epic uh conversationalist usually in the world is a bartender so i I love number six it's definitely a character choice though like i i prefer Mm. the bar seats and like leonard prefers the bar seats my best friend you know that we always that's always like our go-to right like go sit there make new friends talk to the bartenders like figure out what's good like they know the real stuff and then if especially if you're traveling then you know more about the city you're in and you get to find out a lot more that way you know but it's definitely like a character thing there's for sure Mm -hmm. people that like would prefer not to sit with other people or definitely occasions that like kind of require that you know but absolutely don't make it seem like a negative thing because it sure as hell ain't if there's a bar seat next to an open kitchen it's outside of if you're eating with four or six people and then yeah. you can't connect with them. That's a very specific situation mm. where I don't like the bar because oh, okay, you, can yeah. only, you can only talk to essentially two people yeah. and in separate conversations. But if you're by yourself, if you're on a date, if it's two or three people and you have the chance to sit next to the line, that's one of my favorite experiences mm. because... Uh, this experience at 370 Common in Laguna Beach was I was right next to a line cook that was that was firing proteins. And watching him do the six or seven things he has to do within that seven to ten minutes. And then switching to the next iteration of Center seven to ten show, things. Baby. <laughs> I was just, I was mesmerized. Because... You know these people are talented. You've seen Burnt or you've seen Chef and you know 
at least from a pop culture standpoint, that it's chaotic back there, even if you've never been back there. And if you have been back there, then you know it's war trenches when it's peak service time, everyone's doing everything. And to be able to watch it in such an intimate fashion by someone who was really skilled, I just couldn't get enough of it. Like, I didn't even want to talk necessarily to the person <laughs> I was with. And I did because obviously, like, that's, I'm respectful. But I just want, I wanted to hone in on when is he firing the pork chop in comparison to the ribeye? And when is he throwing pasta in the water and pulling that out and doing the seafood accompaniment? You know, like yeah. there was just so much going on. And when I'm at home and I'm cooking, I'm so laser focused on maybe two things, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And so to watch this guy float between six or seven things, I was like, I would have had a very different experience on that table. Yeah. And that's more, it normally positioned as a bad thing when you, you know, grow, grow, growing kitchen. up, like, oh, you put me near the kitchen or the bathroom. Uh, bathroom sucks. That's better. Like, always. There's, there's no right way to sit next to a bathroom. That goes but, back to the perfume. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, like, if I was with my family and we got sat at a restaurant and you're near, like, the swinging kitchen doors, my family was like, man, I don't know, this is so much movement around here. Like, it's not a pristine seat. But I kind of like the restaurants recently that have embraced this kind of bar stool culture where uh, two examples on each coast one here in uh orange county playground has a whole restaurant playground 2.0 mm -hmm. where it's Albers. one big bar and the kitchen is that you, it's open kitchen you look in you it's a show the chef talks to you uh and they're creating example. stuff and it, it's literally a bar and which is great and then in new york we went to this place called a uh, dinner table kitchen table kitchen table. kitchen table uh amazing chef it's a speakeasy and they have uh five bar stools that look into the kitchen and the chef cooks in front of you they have other tables in that room there's only 20 seats in this restaurant but i specifically asked him when we booked reservations on our last new york trip i was like i want to sit at the bar with you so basically i want to sit with the chef because I want to see the show. Like, I don't, like if you know, again, the number's perfect. We're with three people. I turn to my right, talk to Bobby. Turn to my left, I could talk to Ariel. Like, we have a perfect synergy here. And then we get to talk with the chef, chef. and ask the questions. Mm -hmm. So it's great. And that, I love how they just embraced this. Like, the bar seat is the best seat in that house. It was amazing. Yeah. So I like restaurants right now that are kind of owning that and kind of almost offering the full menu at the bar. Um, I've, I like it. That's such a f weird stereotype for like people not to have. I've never been to a restaurant that doesn't serve the full menu at the bar, and like people will walk in I, like countless. I remember when we were at Charlie's, like, oh, "Do you serve the menu at the bar?" Like, absolutely. And I still can't even ever find a place that doesn't serve the whole. Well, menu so at the a lot bar. of places don't though, like El Chirito. Like, I think this like middle ground. Uh, really? This, the, the, in the casual setting and uh, the non fine dining setting, which you don't partake in. <laughs> Go to happy hour at El Torito. They will not serve you unless you're at the bar. You don't get the happy hour menu. Like you go, oh, yes, Taco Tuesday, dollar tacos, whatever. As soon as you sit as a booth, you you can't get that taco anymore. Mm. You don't get the margarita prices that you would at the bar. Like then fuck the fuck the booth. Why would I sit there? Yeah. Yeah, I, ah! You're at the same restaurant paying more for a margarita because you're sitting in a booth. I'll sit at the bar and have a great time. They have tables at the bar, folks. Yeah. Like the bar is a sprawling area. Area there. So I think uh, that's a casual eatery yeah, thing got it. where they don't serve their full menu because, I don't know, they're incentivizing happy hour specials or they don't want, I don't, for whatever reason, they don't want to serve their 
mediocre <laughs> four-page menu at the bar. <laughs> got it. <laughs> so no, number seven. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Before, you got more? You yeah, got more before, heat, bro? Before we go on, Uh-oh. I also think when you sit at the bar and you watch a bartender or bartenders do their thing, it's very oh, that's ma- art. It's, it's very magical. Magical. And especially when, and Jen Ag actually mentioned this in her book, where a lot of times, and Bobby, you'll know this from a server and manager perspective, that first seating of whatever that is, 7, 7.30, when everyone comes in, the whole floor <laughs> gets seated at the same time. So you go from empty restaurant, right, to full restaurant. And a lot of times that'll happen in 15 or 30 minutes. Mm. It'll literally go from I'm folding napkins as a busser to I can't get enough waters for everybody <laughs> what's going on. But who gets slammed the most at that period is at least in a restaurant and bar setting is your bartender mm. because the whole floor just got sat and they all oh, just started food. ordering drinks and you're serving the people at your bar too yeah and you're shooting it out to the restaurant exactly e. so you're covering all the tables ordering plus the people at the bar and everyone just sat down and it's a friday night and everyone's drinking if you're at the bar at that magic moment Watching them churn out all those drinks, but still hopefully adhering to a quality standard is cr- it's crazy. The the double the double shaker, <laughs> like you're seeing the bar back, like washing glasses because they just can't get through stuff fast enough. That magic is so similar to back of house that if you haven't seen it, I, I just encourage you to go see it because it's it's amazing, right? Yeah. Like the the clapping of the mint to. If they run out of something or whatever, there's just all this ca- this organized chaos that's one of my favorite. Maybe that's things. why they charge you more if you're not in the bar during happy hour at these restaurants. <laughs> that I go to. Because like, cool, I can go sit like further away, and you're gonna bring it to me. Like, so they're tra- it's almost like a tax on just the driving of the cocktails from the bar <laughs> to the <laughs> booth. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, watching a bartender is magical. If it's a good bartender, it's not like the corner bar where they're just like <laughs> fucking snapping off the when I cap of a beer too that we i've taken you both now to different bars that they like design the bar to be the place you want to be at mm. which is now kind of trending harder like employees only when we went over there and there's like a wave in the bar to encourage like socializing in between more people or uh you know just aviary is the one i go back to all the time like bars that are created to like i love that bar can we shout out to aviary in chicago <laughs> damn but if you guys want damn. just like a disneyland of bars go here it's it's not cheap <laughs> save up the coin and go sit order yourself a human size chicharron and then have just order through the co- they have this cocktail jeff where they somehow created these boba pearls that are filled with Bacardi 151. <laughs> so you're sipping this cocktail out of a boba straw. I'm trying to get them fucked up. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you don't feel it at all while you're drinking it because the boba just goes straight in your mouth. Don't If you pop it in your mouth, you'll get the 151 flavor. But you essentially can get like an entire jungle juice jar <laughs> full of alcohol. Jungle juice jar? <laughs> with oh. one sip of this thing if, with all these boba pearls. They do some really crazy, Just they just play with so much there. Go to Aviary in Chicago. Um, <laughs> a bar that redefined contemporary cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. Baller, baller. Before we jump to the next one, 
for those that were listening in the beginning, Ooh, let's, give oh, that, wow. let's give them that mid-roll. Ooh, let's give them that Ooze Fest code. All right, guys, for you guys uh, that are going to be in Southern California, you want to go to Ooze Fest, you want that $20 off the all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink pass. When you go to oozefestival.com, use the code THECATCHUP. One word, the ketchup, K-A-T-C-H-U-P. And you'll get $20 off every ticket you buy. So buy some for your friends as a thank you for listening to this podcast. Really appreciate you. If you see us, come say what's up at Oozefest. We'll be at every session. There's two sessions. Both of them are equally amazing. And uh, and it's the steepest promo code we've ever, yeah, we've you ever won't get, unleashed. No one else is going to get a $20 <laughs> off yet. Even my mom, I gave her <laughs> Unless the, she's $5, the $5 discount, $20 only for the catch-up listeners because you guys sit with us for an hour and hang out with us. We appreciate you guys. We shout out Lena, Eli's mom, multiple times on the podcast. She's pretty much like the third host on this podcast. I'm just waiting for her to, you know, send me a Facebook message and say thank you. It's, 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 it's getting up there. One day she's going to regular. One day she's going to One day. Okay. Number seven. Back to the commandments. Number seven. Wipe tables and bar surface properly after every clear, always, no exemptions, and before dropping the bill, do not drop a bill on a dirt table. Yes. That's your Bible, right, Bobby? Yeah, for sure. That's, I feel like every fine dining Bible as well. Yeah. You crumb it, clean it, take care of it, and then drop the bill. Gangster. And it's also etiquette, too, to try to pull as much off up, the table uh, as quick... Uh, as long as everyone's finished, and which yeah. is why you're clearing the table anyway, but you're trying to pull every single dish almost in one pull, right? As much oh, yeah. as you can in one pull. Yeah, without looking, you know. Worse when these servers, <laughs> they try to drop the the check folder like in in between dishes, the like, trash. like 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 yeah, like if, if you have to put the check on top of trash, there's too much. There's the a problem. Like <laughs> fix the trash situation first, because it's not boding well for your tip. Yeah. I think. So, I mean, that it doesn't, uh, to be to be honest, it doesn't really bother me that much. But if you're dropping the bill on a dirty table like that, it probably harkens back to you're dropping it too early. Like you're dropping yeah, it. Yeah, do your job. Yeah. Like finish it up. I also think it encourages like if I'm deciding if I want to order something else or whatever, like clear, clear the stuff mm. so that I can decide like, oh, I want dessert or I want after dinner drink or I I'll buy a round of shots yeah. because I'm like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because your mind subconsciously, like, if I order chocolate cake, like, it can't even fit on his table. Like, where is it going to go? Like, is there, shot, is there room for these shots to get laid out? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's in the server's best interest to clear the table because then it's like it's the reset of the mind. Hmm. What else do you want? Because it doesn't this, feel like the end this anymore. table is your oyster. Yeah. <laughs> your canvas. Whatever, whatever you want. You want more entrees? Kitchen's Ooh. still open. Ooh. I got you more entrees. <laughs> 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 oh, there are ten extremely fire takes about the restaurant industry so far in this in this podcast. It's good. I it's like good. it. I like it. So okay, so wipe the tables clean. I think we're all. I think we're all. Yeah. Thumbs up. I yes. co-sign that. Do it. Co-sign that. <laughs> Number eight. Be nice to people. Yeah. She's either getting really lazy towards the end of this list, or she's just getting so on point. Well, and I, I'm, I'm so on point. I, I feel like 
a lot of these are just like life lessons <laughs> you know food is life though and you know what food is life food is life <laughs> so you learn how a lot of the manners you learn in life happen at the dinner table so pull out pull out a chair for for your lady your mom whatever it is like that's tight. Be nice to people. Like, I don't. I can't. How do you not argue this? Are you an asshole? Like, I feel seven and eight. If you're a reasonable person, yeah, clean the clean the table. Yeah, and be nice to the person. Make it nice. Be nice to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I don't, oh no. my god! So we went to <laughs> a speakeasy in Philadelphia and show off. <laughs> and first of all, like. I took Leonard for his birthday. This is the one place he was dying to go for three days. So we, we show up. There's this pol- there's this like gate in front of the door. And there's this very large man who's like, what do you need? <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> we're trying to get into this bar. Like, how do we get in? They're like, where's your IDs at? I'm like, uh, <laughs> like we're pulling out our IDs. Like I hand mine first. And then he like scoffs and rolls his eyes. And then Leonard hands his ID and he's like, and he's still holding his hand out. And he looks at both of us and he like rolls his eyes. And then he takes our cards inside the bar. And then he does whatever with them, comes back and he's like, I'll be back when I'm ready for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like thinking the whole time, like, do I want to go here anymore? <laughs> like, where, like, where are we? And he comes back and he's like, sit, go into the right and sit on the chairs. So you go on this bar and then it's like a vaulted ceiling, kind of like uh, old Asian laundry mat feeling. There's like these old church benches there and you're sitting in this room and there's four rules on the, on the wall. And it's like, don't use your cell phone. Don't be loud. Don't take pictures. Don't take video. And he's like, you see these rules? You better listen to these rules. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna die. He's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm just trying to have a cocktail. <laughs> we go inside the bar, and he sits us down at not the bar, which is I hate that. Right? Why am I sitting at a table? I wanted to be at the bar. The bar's empty. We asked to sit at the bar. They're like, we're gonna have to ask about that. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there's empty seats at the bar. This is a bar. You have bartenders. Let me sit at the bar. They come back, we can't do that. We closed the bar already. You have to sit at the table. So then we're like, okay. Is this late at night? No. They're like open for another hour after we got there. So then we look at the menu. The menu is fantastic. There is things on there I've never seen before, things I wanted to try. Like I could list eight cocktails that I was like, I want all of them. <laughs> we had a drink uh, or we uh, are we're ready to order. Our server finally comes back after ignoring us for probably like five to six minutes, which I already hate. And he looks at us and doesn't say anything. He opens his his little notebook and he looks at us and he just looks and looks back and forth at the three of us because uh, Leonard brought his cousin. Because you should have memorized this menu by And now. I'm like, are you going to ask me a question? You haven't said hi. Your busser is the one that gave us water and our menus and you haven't said anything. And then he's just like, okay, are you ready? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> What do you mean? I was like, this is the rudest place I've ever been. And I was like, you know what? Like, we'll take this, this, and this, and then give me the check. Like I said, like I didn't. Oh, wow. I was like, I want these two drinks, and please drop the bill. There's, do you do you find that there's that speakeasy mentality? So I'm glad actually we didn't just brush off the be nice to people because there's this speakeasy mentality where we're not worthy of going into this place by nature of it being a speakeasy yeah by nature of it hiding away from the beaten path i feel it's almost 50 50. i've been to places where they're really nice to you i've also been to places where again there's a bouncer we were together this must have been someplace in new york <laughs> but just 
throw a fucking dart at the wall at a speakeasy and there's probably some dude in his dumb little hat like checking your ID and being an asshole. Yeah. But then uh, on the other side, there's people that are really nice, excited for you to come inside. Like, please just hold on outside for a couple more minutes. That's why it's a line. It's just a little busy inside. That's tight when, you, when you're nice to the person. I'm still going to be super excited. You're not being an asshole to like get me excited about how exclusive your bar is. Yeah. That shit's some high school petty trying to make girls like you and being a dick to them yeah. move where I, I feel it's almost 50-50 my experience of going to speakeasies of like people being really nice at the bar or at the like people that are guarding this like sacred place that's really just a bar that's gonna serve you more expensive drinks than normal I would venture to say that like the attitude that fine dining restaurants used to have is the current attitude that some speakeasies have taken on because now they're the cool people that have the keys to mm. whatever echelon of experience, right? Because people want to go to speakeasies. And like, that's why I think that there used to be that in fine dining, right? Like that was a place you, everybody wanted to go. That's where like people saved all their pennies to be. No reservation, <laughs> Eli. <laughs> exactly. Oh shit. Well, and here's the thing too, these speakeasies, right? The majority of them, the, the ones that I've been to, like employees only with Bobby or in New York or in LA or in Las Vegas, they would have 10 seats, 12 seats right. max. So you're talking about a non-scalable business that has hype because mm. they're secret. And for whatever reason, our generation just lose our shit <laughs> over something that we're not supposed to have. So they have the hype and they can only have so many. So in some way, they have to be dicks in the sense of, I mean, when we used to throw parties and, and or you think of the nightclub mentality, right? Bouncers are dicks because they literally don't want you in there because mm. of who they do want inside. Yeah. And it's almost, again, I'm not saying it's right. I've been treated like shit and I hate it and I don't like it. But then they can do whatever they want because they're sold out. They're going to be sold out. And... So, I mean, it, your situation of a bar full of seats and them still being dicks is... Rough. Go eat a dick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's too far. <laughs> but, there's, I mean, there's, but there's also a bunch of people that act like pricks and they don't have any respect for the establishment and they want to barge in and mm. they make a scene when they can't get in and that bouncer has to deal with those people too. And yeah. so I try to give the benefit of the doubt to a bouncer like because they deal with all these crazy people I'm sure of because I ran the door for the parties we used to throw and that was crazy. I guess you're still dealing with the bar and drunk people at the end of the day. But I would hope, I would hope for some, when you're charging $22 a cocktail in your speakeasy, like, say hi to my friend Bobby. <laughs> Seat him where he wants to be seated because it's a bar and you're a bar. And that's it. That's all you gotta do. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Everything else, you know, whatever. Yeah. But those simple things of saying hi, addressing them as humans versus staring at them awkwardly, like, come on. There's yeah. nothing that needs to be that pretentious. Yeah. Although I get the pretentiousness in certain situations. It was a $40 tab and I put a $100 bill on top of the thing and he grabs the thing and looks at me and he's like, you didn't need change, right? <laughs> oh, I was like, I absolutely need a change, thank you. <laughs> uh, for you, all the change. I thought, 
Well, I'm surprised because Bobby, you're the petty kind of person who, like, if it was awful service and the bill was forty bucks, you would leave a hundred and be like, enjoy. Like you, like, you would be, you would be that, and like really perplex them and send them down this like rabbit hole of like, fuck, if I keep doing this, I'm gonna keep getting sixty dollar tips on forty dollar tabs. Amazing. No, I was, was the reverse horrible. petty. I was the actual petty. <laughs> Here's four dollars. Sleep on that. <laughs> Here's $60 for your tip, but you could use a haircut. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I like this rule. Mm. Accommodate reasonable food requests, but always check with the kitchen. I like the, I like the duality of this rule because I think it makes a lot of sense. For example, if you do a really awesome dish and you top it with whatever... I don't know, cashews or something, or cilantro or whatever. And there's, it's the last plating thing that happens and the chefs don't feel some type of way about it. If someone says I'm allergic. Do you take it out? Go yeah. ahead. Does it hurt you that much? Like as long as, again, if someone's like, the cashew is crucial to this dish, don't do it, don't serve it. I get that. Mm. But do you feel about that way for every, all 18 dishes? appetizers, entrees, and desserts of your menu, maybe you do. And that's the type of establishment you are, and you totally have the right to say no. Yeah. But when you can accommodate, because people, for whatever reason, have their own things, I think there's also ways to accommodate that isn't necessarily disrespecting the dish that you prepared. Yeah, it'd be cool if, if these chefs would make uh, kind of like a, a no accommodation style list. Like, so the same idea of like, or if it's cashews at the top and it's the last thing they played on this dish and you're allergic to cashews, like it'd be cool if the waiter just knew like, oh, we, the cashews are absolutely necessary on this dish or they're just not. Like, and the waiter should know that. Yeah. I mean, and again, there's, when you think about it, if there's 18 items listed on that menu and the intricacies of the ingredients of each one and when a, a random person wants something taken off, just go check with the kitchen. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. And if they can't, the kitchen will tell you. But I think you make someone's day if you can accommodate and the dish is still awesome. Mm. Uh, for, for people who have no freaking clue what we're talking about, there's a lot of restaurants that just don't accommodate menu changes. Like if you're me, like certain gastropubs, certain uh, fixed menus, like the, the dish is prepared in an immaculate way and the ingredients are supposed to marry together so well and they're pumping out so many dishes that they really can't like make a lineup change for you because you are allergic to peanuts. You just have to avoid that dish. Or if you're not a fan of cilantro, they can't make that change for you. So that's that's what we're talking about right now. And but yeah, it, it does come off as like dickish in some places. But at the end of the day, I it's still the chef's like if it's if his thing and he wants to risk his business, like there's a business risk to not making those accommodations. And if you are that adamant about your brand and willing to take that risk, it's your restaurant. You're paying those bills. If you are okay with turning away that customer, that customer like likely might not come back. It's your prerogative. So I don't I accommodate reasonable food requests. Again, that's circumstantial. Like some chefs have no reasonable food requests. There's two two pieces to that. I feel like servers should never assume that the kitchen won't accommodate. So I think 
it's the consumer. They're the liaison for the consumer. They should be able to be like, absolutely, I'll go find out for you or reflect on the other times that that's happened in the past. <laughs> like, but don't ever assume from no, like yeah. that they're, no, you know, I can't stand that. And then on the kitchen side, like, the kitchen needs to be open to con conversing about those things, right? Like I've been in, worked in a lot of kitchens where the, you get the eye roll or they're like, what do they want now? Or they want it hotter, like stick it in the oven and it's like 900 degrees and then they like touch the plate and they're like, it's too fucking hot, you know? Like, yeah. So I think that like that mentality from the kitchen also needs to be like tempered too. Mm. <laughs> I like the liaison of the waiter between that and the kitchen because you can always be the good guy as a waiter. Like, let me go check with the back. I, I got you. Let me check with the back. We'll see. We'll see what they can do if they can do anything. And then you go. And if, if even if you know it's a no, like that's what I would do as a waiter. I'd play it off on the back. Even they don't if see you them. know it's a no. They don't see them. Thank you. They don't see them. You come back like oh, I'm so sorry, but maybe I can get you this or can I recommend this one? It doesn't have any cashews. You're deathly allergic, bro. Do you even want to try this dish? Like I. I that's me. I would play the blame off in the back. And They're I the think, faceless and soldiers for, in the for, back. For me, who, who wouldn't just blame the back because <laughs> that would get, get around, is you could still say, you know, our staff believes this is the only way to prepare this dish. And unfortunately, we can't make that change. But I, these three dishes are, are remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Switch it up. Yeah. You know, you can still be positive if they don't want to make that change. And it's their right to not make that change because i mentioned from the beginning i like this rule but i will also eat anything how someone wants it prepared yeah so I, I i'll never make an accommodation unless i think you're serving mediocre food and it, it doesn't bother me to ask for a request because i know it's going to be mediocre i felt bad for <laughs> folks with allergies to certain things yeah. and then and they like oh i really wanted that lasagna but who i don't feel bad for is the person who goes oh yeah i would like that mixed with this other dish no. and can you get out and i just generally yeah. don't like cilantro and that's a that, there's a lot of people like that which i get why some of the sentiment in back of house is well, yeah, what do they want? Because they've all experienced that person who's mixing dishes and asking for ingredients that you don't even have and all sorts of stuff. Heinz Can I bring ketchup. up for a second the gluten epidemic of the last, like, five years? Talk to him, bro. You're going to ruffle some, you're gonna, you're gonna ruffle some <laughs> feathers, but go ahead. Go ahead. But I think that's, like, that was one that kind of really, you know, stuck it to the to the industry was, like, there was people you, you're like, really? And then, like, at at a hotel that I was a part of, <laughs> we had to go and we had to buy new machines that any bread touched to only accommodate things that were gluten-free. So like our toasters, we had to buy a separate toaster just for gluten-free bread. We had, to, we had to order gluten-free bread. It couldn't be touched or next to other gluten bread. So we had to have a whole new storage area just for the gluten-free bread. So, but you're like, people are like, you weren't gluten free like three years ago, two years ago, three days ago. Why are you coming in here? Like, asking me, oh, I'm gluten free. It's really messes up my stomach. <laughs> See, uh, there's people out there, bro, that like, I, and check, I get it. I check the Snopes too. Is gluten, are gluten allergies real? <laughs> I've hit the Snopes. If Annie, who works, <laughs> are still See, she's gluten, gluten intolerant. Like, she can't, she can't have it. She's celiac. Shout, damn, did I just out? That's a real disease. But people, yeah, yes. people genuinely like can't have gluten. As much as I love to make fun of gluten, because there, there are people with the genuine like they can't, they can't tolerate it. But then there's people that are on trend. 
and not wanting gluten and and not gl- knowing why and not knowing why just hearing these like buzzwords of like gluten free and bullshit gluten is delicious if you want bread it's gluten <laughs> like, or they just associate oh i'm gonna try to go low carb yeah. so i need to eat gluten free those are different, different things, things. <laughs> but for the person who's just trying to experience their friday night in their way that's their request to back of house for the pizza and it's just like no <laughs> the answer is no yeah. we don't have gluten-free pizza here because <laughs> you don't believe in the taste like go to like any pizza place that's like a fast casual pizza place and order gluten-free pizza it's Awful. <laughs> it's awful. And so, like, as a chef who m- markedly enjoys his pizza and is proud of his pizza, you're not going to put a gluten-free option on the menu. No, there isn't. And, like, I'm not going to put that on my crust. I'm not going to have my bread be that. If you're a bread connoisseur, you believe in gluten. Like, I'm not a chef. I'm not a baker. But the bakers that I've talked to fucking hate the whole gluten-free, like, lifestyle. They, they again, they appreciate and understand that people have um, – their bodies can't function. Some people can't. I don't even know where I'm going with it. But <laughs> if you can tolerate gluten and your body can handle it, eat it. It's delicious. <laughs> That's what those chefs and bakers are saying. I'm glad I got there. <laughs> Number 10. Ooh, no octopus it. hands. Yeah, no. Do not grab and carry glasses from the top. Keep fingers as far away from the rim as possible. <laughs> I don't know where your hands have been, but I know where mine have been. <laughs> from... From Gen Ag. <laughs> oh, my mind is wandering. No octopus hands. Okay. So just don't like touch the top of my glass where I'm going to put my lips on with your fingers. I have problems with octopus hands and octo- like octopus hands from the top mm. and, and serving multiple glasses out of octopus hands from the bottom. Really? Which is basically How do you serve like, octopus from the bottom? How do you, so you get it out of like your hand? You hold like three or four. But maybe oh. that's just because of my training, and I was told that's specifically too casual. Take a maybe. tray. Sure. <laughs> you, are all of our finding restaurants, it was, or even, it was all of even if it's one, right? if it's one drink. Oh yeah, one drink. You bring it out on on a tray. <laughs> it's like page five, section seven of my Olive Garden <laughs> manual. Take a tray. <laughs> but her her point, and, and and Jen Ag mentions this in the book is you have residue on your fingers when you gra- no matter wh- what. And most people, me included, subconsciously touch their face co- almost constantly. Mm. So when you put your grubby mitts around <laughs> the area where so, a, a patron's lips are going to be, it's, it's weird. It's bad. It's, yes. it, it shows up on the glass. True. Okay. But if you're going to go that with the glass, there's like several other places that that's like that. Like don't touch the fork. The one that I think about all the time is packing straws and then like the bartenders will take a wad of straws and they'll put the straws in the container and then they'll pat the top to put all the tops mm. down in the straws mm. subconsciously to make to make it flush with whatever Ooh. and you're like I'm not gonna put the straw you're gonna put it in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you said <laughs> uh, but I get you that's kind of I never thought about it. it's kind of gross so that's all of that that, so they at, at Olive Garden, they used to serve straws, and we put straws in every drink. But then halfway through, somebody complained about there wanting to be a packaged straw delivered with the beverage mm-hmm. because you don't know where that straw has been. You know the move I like? They're not doing it so much anymore at restaurants is when they come and uh, they leave – when they put a drop, when they drop a straw, but it's just like the top, 
They leave the oh, top part of the package top. on. Ooh. Yeah, like a gentle whisper. <laughs> I love that. I don't see that going on anymore, bro. Why do you love that? I just, I just love it. It just hard. I just cool. I just like it. Suave. They like. Do you like it when they do it at the table? Nah, I, I like the. I don't want to see them do it. I just like want to imagine how like suave they were when they took the straw. <laughs> you like the unsheathing. You're like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Conscious is like, okay, no one touch the top of this. I mean, when I watch them do it at Jamba Juice, it is pretty invigorating. It's kind of, yeah. It's lit. So I want you to just do they like. Do, they just do it, they do it really fast, right? It's just one fluid motion, straw in hand, out, in. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Ooh, hey, all right, straw pole. Do you guys like the straws with the little, uh, the squiggly scrunch in the middle or at the top? So it no. bends or you like the, you like straight straws? Oh. Yeah, straight. straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bobby just winked like everyone on the podcast could hear the wink. They might have. <laughs> okay. If you had a commandment to add to this, what would it be? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Okay, Bobby. Uh, Signs of a great guest. Extend the conversation. <laughs> always free something. I think always dropping free something on the table is a must. That commandment number no one. Sense. It's commandment 0.5. No I think I th- that's it. I don't. I don't agree with that. Okay. When I. What do you mean? No business sense. I feel great when I go to a Mexican place and they drop chips and salsa. I'm like, damn, these guys are very generous. Okay. Now, now I'm ready to go. Now so I'm ready is to a, is a fine dining counter part of that? Olives at the table or bread at the bread table? Bread at the table. I think okay. it's. I think it's it's a uh, homey. It's 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 welcoming. It's like you enjoy this bread or don't enjoy it. It's free. You didn't pay for it. So two two things. Two, two experiences at hotels they'll if you're a guest and common guest you get your managers will reward you if you gift patrons that keep coming back with like some kind of special gift so the hotel has each department has like certain things you can give them like spa always had like little soaps or whatever you know so then you go and pack and write a letter to the to the mom of the daughter that always comes to breakfast and you can write them I thought that was brilliant and it makes them come back every time and now even like five, ten years later after that job, people still fucking remember that. And they'll come back and they'll be like, you gave me that soap and then you told my daughter she loved Ariel and I loved it. It's <laughs> like people want like little things. Like when we were at, uh, I went to this steakhouse in Laguna Beach. This just sounds like a show-off podcast, huh? <laughs> anyway, we, we eat out a lot. I travel the world and it's amazing. Anyway. That's our only reason we're allowed to do this. We have no other qualifications. <laughs> Jeff and I. Um, and Salani Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. You been there? Yeah. Awesome steakhouse, right? I felt we were ordering food, and uh, in between our appetizers and the mains, uh, they brought out this tomato soup that none of us ordered. And they brought it out to everyone on the table, five people on our table. And they're like, this is just a gift from the chef. We noticed you guys looking at it. You didn't order it, but enjoy it. I was like, oh, damn, okay. Enjoyed that. I loved it. What turned out to be, though, they were nice, but also they didn't have one of the steaks that we ordered, but we had already put it in. So instead, not only did they fix that by like preemptively giving us this like delicious tomato bisque soup, they upgraded, they're like, we didn't have the T-bone steak that you wanted, but we're gonna bring you out that Wagyu, which is like three or 400 bucks. They're like, same price as what you were gonna pay, but you're gonna get this Wagyu, are you okay with that? Super sorry about that. What are you going to say, no? I'm like, yo, I'm going to have this A5 Wagyu, bro. I'm going to sit my face in it for a little bit, and then I'm going to suck it through a straw because it's so melty and delicious. So little things like that, we remembered. As we left, we weren't even talking about the Wagyu. We were talking about the tomato soup that we were 
hindering on ordering and didn't order and they brought it out. Little things like that. If you love the bread, what's the hurt? Like the at a steakhouse, the bread is f five bucks or less from whatever baker you're getting to. You're selling them 70 to $300 steaks. Like throw some bread on the table. How and Ray's does that too. And like waiting in that hour, we had three, three hours in line. I ordered six sandwiches and he's like, hey, while you're waiting, like here's a side of pickles. And I'm like, I'm coming back. <laughs> yes. Bobby, you probably spent a hundred some dollars on chicken sandwiches and you got gassed up because he gave you free pickles. Yep. All I'm saying is drop something on the table. Okay, I, you've, you've completely convinced me. <laughs> I was definitely like, what is this guy talking about out of nowhere? I'm trying to imagine one restaurant where it doesn't make sense. I'm an aggressive gifter in general. That's how I run my business too. So I totally agree with that. You can win over the most hard ass guest anywhere by preemptively dropping something on the table that th even if they don't like, it doesn't matter. Yep, absolutely. Like you can just and in the long run, over. it's worth it for you. You get guest retention. Yeah. And as a waiter, you get, I mean, obviously you have to work that out with your restaurant. Maybe they have, they're opposed to you giving away a, an item. But as a waiter, like if you can make that move, it will show up in your tip. It will show up just in the overall experience. I don't know. That, that's the commandment I would add. Give free shit away. It's a good commandment. Hey, you guys? So it's not my commandment. It's something that I really resonate with that comes from the same person that we're talking about. So, Jen Ag. Okay. The, <laughs> the rule that she talked about that's not in this set of 10 was serve all your beverages at the same time. So if you're in a party of six and they all order cocktails, if don't serve three and then three. Why I like that is because it's always awkward when you have a drink, but not everyone else has a drink and you're basically waiting to cheers or waiting for them. Okay. And so your drink is melting because you got served first, but then you're waiting for your friends. I just really like that rule. Serve the drinks together. And then, cause Me too. I, and food. Yeah. I hate, I, that's, I hate that. <laughs> like, which is, the rest of the dishes. Well, which is also which is also a really big trend now. It comes as it comes. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's everywhere. So you're more against that than well, because he bougie Bobby doesn't share. <laughs> well, a lot of restaurants respect it nowadays. They, the ones I've been going to, they ask you like, do you guys want it to come like as as a chef finishes it, or do you guys want us to course it out? And so I think that is something that I've seen a lot of restaurants oblige like course it out. We want to eat together. Or, but if you're doing share small plates, which Bobby doesn't go to those places, uh, <laughs> or I just order so much food that like nobody could ever finish as much food as on the table. <laughs> Mostly my style. I, but I, I agree. I don't think I can disagree that. Yeah, I don't want my drink so far in advance. I also like now got to be the nice guy when I don't get my drink. Like, go ahead, drink, and no one believes you. But you're deep down like really pissed off and sad that you don't have your drink. I get it. Drop all the drinks at the same time. Wait, use the tray. Use a tray. Use a tray. <laughs> is that your rule? Is that yeah, your, rule, your rule, Bobby? Use a tray. No. Uh, my rule would be to kind of to your point, uh, Eli, is uh, be memorable. I, mm. I tell that to my staff all the time, and uh, and I just remember that from serving. Like, the better that they remember you, the more business you'll get, and they'll come back for you. And like, especially on Marche, it was really easy to like. 
you know, get extra things or spend extra time with these tables. And then you realize like they want you to learn and they're excited to see you. And then you build lifelong relationships with these people that like are coming to see you for lunch, yeah. you know, and that ends up being your income, but also like adding value to your life. I had so many different experiences with these people that I've never would have had otherwise. So I would just encourage people in the service industry in general, just to have that as their own rule. I love that. If we could shout out, let's just shout out like waiters and servers because <laughs> I, just in case this podcast at all felt whiny about it, 80, 90, 95% of our experiences in restaurant, at least mine, have been great. And like, I like the memorable aspect. I would add that as commandment two or three because I, I'm just thinking of like restaurants we went to, like Brio and the Irvine Spectrum here in Southern California, chain restaurant. I remember this server was serving 12 of us, it's like huge table of 12. This gal had the memory of, like, it was so insane. She knew the whole menu. She did not take any notes, knew what everyone ordered and their modifications. <laughs> and I, like, when she dropped the food again, I, like, went up. I was like, how, can I ask you, like, how you did that? She's like, I don't know. I just like what I do. It was brilliant. And I would get lost if, like, Jeff said something right now and Bobby you cut him off. I would not know what Jeff just said. Like that's <laughs> that she can handle 12 and we're not her only table. Like it's brilliant. So shout out to you guys serving. Like that's that's incredible. Just fucking And people shout don't out. understand again and the wine bottle opening was one aspect of that, but the mental pressure of remembering all the requests, being courteous and polite, trying to be memorable while getting everything right, while working with countless other people for an ultimate experience from your management to your bussers to your back of house to your host to mm -hmm. whatever it's this crazy circus and so people who don't tip well and think that anyone can do this be You're a wrong. server for it try it yeah, yeah. <laughs> try it You're because so it's, Good it's, luck. it's tough yeah. it's really tough and i wasn't cut out for it and i don't think you know i think i'm a relatively smart person that's physically able to do it and i just wasn't cut out for it and that's because it takes this mental fortitude of being able to handle high pressure situations dealing with potentially really bad customer service situations and especially when you go fine dining the really bad customer service situations is a five hundred thousand ten thousand dollar bill that's now in air or in judgment or mm. you're now you know and so i think there's a the the mental side of serving is the, I mean, it's also physical on your feet constantly oh yeah but i don't think people really understand that so kudos empathy baby we i, I see it we yeah. out here i see it i tell uh a lot of people that the this service industry restaurant industry is like the most time you'll ever spend with a stranger in any capacity in your life Right, you're like in front of, there's so many variables from the kitchen that like their bad days and the server's bad days and whatever, like this is the most time you'll ever spend with a stranger. Like, so really think about that art form or that kind of way. This is like, besides like being in an airport or an airline, you know, for five hours with somebody, like this is it. Yeah. So just temper your understanding of experience based on like how much human contact you're actually in. <laughs> Shout out to servers, man. I feel good. I feel real good. Jen Ag, thank you for writing. I hear she's a real bitch. <laughs> Great casual read. Learning a lot about the industry and it's also uh, autobiographical too about, so I'm really excited to learn more about the Canadian restaurant scene as it progresses. Again, 
we'll drop um, an Amazon link in the in the yeah. podcast description. I think that'd be tight. Um, so thank you again, Jen Ag. Thank you for everyone listening. Thank you, Bobby, for being here, bro. Thanks for having me. Bobby been Bobby there, been the here. Bobby now been on the podcast. Thank you, Braden. I think this podcast is probably one of our longer oh, ones, yeah. right? Oh, sorry. Braden's like, yeah, dog, it's been super it's been long. It's been super <laughs> long. <laughs> Braden had to turn off the air in the room. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting real it, fat it, hot. Like, it fucks with our audio. Each Bobby laugh is 12 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Shout out to Braden Bear at Braden Bear on Instagram. <laughs> uh, guys, remember to use the code THECATCHUP on oozefestival.com. Get $20 off. We're going to keep that code live until the tickets sell out. So uh, thank you again for listening. We'll see you at Ooze Festival. And ketchup is spelled differently or the same as the ketchup. So K A T C H U P. The ketchup. Yeah, hope you guys enjoy. And until Stay next week. Stay tuned next week for an all cheese themed episode. Oh, yeah, we're going to go cheesy next week. Cheese all the cheese. All the all time. The time. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> and if you guys could leave a comment about how bad our outros are um, on iTunes. Seriously, uh, if we could just or get like, like five to ten comments. Just comment on the iTunes store uh, about Bobby's laugh, about the bad outros. Um, and how your Ooze Festival code didn't work for some reason. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. Until next week. Adios. Bye. Bye. <laughs>